0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network so congratulations australia you won the first test i hope that makes you very happy pat cummins was the man of the moment the, the aussie captain scored an unbeaten 44 to see his side home with just a handful of overs left of, on day 5 and take a 1-0 series lead in the 2023 men's ashes how do we get to that point on day 5 well, we're going to talk all about it, and we're also going to talk about where England went wrong and how Australia won the game, and what we can expect from the second test at Lords. In December 2006, Stephen Harmison bowled a very, very wide opening delivery of the Ashes down under. Ball was taken at first slip by Freddie Flintoff, and the rest of the series was a disaster from that point on. England lost 5-0. In December 2021, Rory Burns stepped across the line and had his, his leg stump smashed out of the ground by Mitchell's start of the first ball of that Ashes series. And that one ended in a disaster. England lost 4-0 in that series. This time round, first morning, England win the toss and they bat. The controversial opening pick, Zach Crawley, is facing up to Pat Cummins for the very first ball of this year's series. Edgebaston, first morning, you've won the toss and you're batting. That is the time that you need to make a statement and this England team is full of statement makers. The noise inside Edgebaston at 11 o'clock on Friday morning was electric. Especially after Zach Crawley, first ball to Cummins, pitched up a way swinger, stamped down his front foot and absolutely pummeled the ball for four through cover. That moment, hopefully, from an English perspective, will be a defining image in years to come, much like Harmison and much like Burns in previous series. But it wasn't to be for England, and a lot of people are pointing fingers at that first day's performance as to why England lost the game. That first morning, Zach Crawley uh, turned his form around and he scored... Uh, 61 before being caught by Alex Carey, who took several catches in the game. He took a lot of catches. Ben Duckett followed for just 12, uh, and Ollie Pope was out for 31. Joe Root was yet again the standout performer on day one, having scored 118 from 152 balls. Harry Brooks scored a welcome 32. Johnny Bairstow, after making his return last game against Ireland, scored 78 from exactly 78 balls. Mo and Ali slapped a few. Stuart Broad scored sixteen, and Ollie Robinson scored seventeen, before Ben Stokes called his players in with four overs to play at the end of day one, declaring on three hundred ninety-three for eight. Keep that in mind; that's going to be controversial near the end. They bowled four overs at Australia that that evening before the close of play, and they took no wickets, and Australia safely navigated that that difficult little session. Day two started reasonably well for England. Few things in life are certain except death, taxes and David Warner being dismissed by Stuart Broad in an Ashes Test match. Stuart Broad got David Warner out for the 15th time in his career. Marnus Labashain uh, fell the next ball to Broad as he went bang bang and put England in a very strong position. Steve Smith was trapped tra- tra- LBW to Ben Stokes who, despite carrying a knee injury he's had for a long time, reasonably well to get Smith. And England at that point had two of the top three test batters in the world rankings. Mo and Ali dismissed Ch- Travis Head and England had all three at that point with an absolutely exceptional uh, off-spinning delivery. Beautifully bold, went straight through straight through the gate to the right-hander. An absolute textbook dismissal for Mo and Ali. Offspinners love to get them like that. Australia ended day two, 311 for five, after the 94 overs, and Usman Khawaja scored 126. Alex Carey was also at the crease with 52, and England were in a dangerous position at this point, with Australia scoring freely. Started day three, and England had set some fascinating uh, fields to Usman Khawaja, who at this point was past the century. Uh, we'll probably all remember f- for a long time the field that Ben Stokes set with the two banks of three fielders right in front of the um, Usman Khawaja's eye line before uh, Ollie Robinson bowled him with a Yorker. Once Khawaja was gone, England had a very good chance of making the most of the position they were in and they followed up with that by dismissing the tail-enders very cheaply. So apart from Pat Cummins, who scored 38, England knocked over Lyon, Bowland and Hazelwood for just two runs between them and they had a lead of seven runs going into the second innings. It wasn't the best day for England though on day three. Uh, the afternoon and the English weather was not playing nice for England. Duckett and Crawley came out for a very very difficult patch of play. Just before the thunderstorm rolled in over at Birmingham they had 22 balls to face and both of them were dismissed. Duckett was caught uh, by an absolute screamer from Cam Green at gully, And Zach Crawley was caught behind. That was a a difficult session to navigate for England. Thankfully they only lost two wickets. But that was definitely playing into Australia's hands. And it was probably the only session in the whole five days where the ball actually swung. Underneath some very thick, very dark clouds. On day four, England were looking to set a total for Australia. Joe Root was the epitome of the baseball Ball era when he came out and tried to reverse scoop Pat Cummins' first ball, missing the ball completely. Then, in the next couple of overs, he did it three more times, scoring two sixes and a four. And he was going very well. The pressure was back on Australia, and England just let them back in again when Joe Root went searching for one off Nathan Lyon, He was playing very well, he didn't need to do it. On 46, Root... Danced down the wicket and was stumped for the first time in his Test career. Joe Root was stumped. The Aussies were looking flustered. They had the field back and they weren't finding. Um, they weren't creating chances readily. Brook gave Australia an excellent opportunity when he tried to force a sweep shot off um, off of Nathan Lyon just short of his fifty. He also fell for forty six as he pulled straight to uh, Marnus Labuschagne at mid wicket. It was absolutely frustrating to watch as an English fan, but that's how the rest of the day played out as well. Stokes looked uneasy at the crease; uh, he was scoring very slowly for the man who normally score, normally attempts to score incredibly quickly under his new style. England ate through their reviews as they constantly kept getting caught on the pad or attempt or close to the bat as they were caught behind, and Stokes eventually fell for forty three. Robinson chipped in with 27. Broad and Anderson both got, both got double figures, 10 and 12 respectively. And Anderson came out with a first ball reverse sweep to Nathan Lyon. Australia needed 281 to win as the tee break was taken on day four. Now this was the point when I was watching the game. It looked like England weren't really in it. The score wasn't high enough and Australia and Labuschagne were going well as well. Then, up steps Stuart Broad, who on the last session of day four, after Robinson got David Warner out, took two wickets very quickly, as he had done on day two. Once Smith and Labuschagne were dismissed at the end of day four, England were right in the game. They closed that day, needing 170 to win, and England needed seven wickets. But the two highest-ranked test batters in the world were out. And it was at this point that sitting at work, finishing at 8 o'clock, I had a look on the Edgebaston website and there were three tickets left for day five. I just decided I was going to go because I didn't know how the game was going to end. And in 2005, my dad had had the opportunity to go to Edgebaston to watch the last day's play when there was that incredible end where England won by two runs. And he didn't go. So I thought, I best go. <laughs> And at six o'clock the next morning, I set off having had three hours of sleep. I got the train to London, the train to uh, Birmingham and arrived in time for the start of play when on day five, it was raining. I spent all morning in the pub, having a lovely time, meeting some England fans and talking to some of the locals. And at two o'clock, play was underway. England needed seven wickets and the first session before tea, we we got two of them down. Scott Boland went, having massively outstayed his welcome as night watcher, when Ali got Travis Head caught at slip just before the break, bringing Cam Green to the crease, and they saw the Australia through to the tea break. England now needed five wickets with Usman Khawaja still at the crease, and Australia needed just ninety-eight runs after tea, and the game was blown wide open after the tea break, when Ben Stokes, still nursing his knee injury got Khawaja out as he chopped onto his stumps. Ollie Robinson bowled Cam Green in the same fashion and Carey was caught and bowled by Root, which left Australia 8 for 227, needing England needing just two more wickets to win the game, with the new ball ready to be taken. And this was perhaps the best bit of captaincy from Ben Stokes in the whole game perhaps actually in his whole career so far. The new ball was ready to be taken and Joe Root was bowling reasonably well. He'd, had a, he'd dropped a very difficult chance off of Carey, caught and bowled. And most people on the ground were expecting Anderson and Broad to be brought on at this point. But Stokes, without Mo and Ali, who had been injured and couldn't bowl anymore, left the part-time off-spinner Joe Root on and didn't take the new ball. Root then dismissed Carey, caught and bowled with an excellent grab and England were then able to take the new ball with just two wickets remaining and two tail-enders at the crease. Nathan Lyon looked scratchy to start off with and he's he's far from a decent batter normally and Ben Stokes dropped an incredibly difficult chance off of Lyon flying backwards over his head. The whole crowd erupted thinking that he'd caught it, but it just popped out of his hand as he landed. And that was a pivotal moment in the day. Nathan Lyon scored a a couple of boundaries, which is absolutely heartbreaking for an England fan, seeing Nathan Lyon score off of you. And Pat Cummins, who now, under the pump, with England needing just two wickets and now favourites to win... Cummins hit a couple of sixes off Joe Root and threw the pressure back onto England, who was struggling to make any chances. To be fair, Pat Cummins got to his forty-four not out, and Australia won by two wickets with four overs remaining of the day. And England were heartbroken. Ben Stokes said it after the game. Ben Stokes said it after the game that, despite being proud of how his team had played, that was absolutely heartbreaking. I think everyone in the ground, we all expected England to win. Especially once Nathan Lyon came to the crease with over 50 runs left to win. So, where did England lose the game? A lot of people were pointing to the declaration on day one, saying that Joe Root could have put on another 30 or 40 runs. And there is something to be said for that. However, there are only four... De- I don't believe in that. There was only four overs left of the game at the end. And those four overs that were brought back into the game by declaring on day one was where it was won or lost. You could say that if there were fewer overs left on day five, the Aussies would have gone harder at the ball instead of going at three and over or two and over for the whole of day five. And that would have created chances for England. But we just simply can't know. The pitch which Stokes had asked for, asking for flat tracks throughout the series, was Probably, for me, where England lost the game. I don't think Australia won it. I think that England created a chance for a team to win. I think that if England didn't declare and they didn't score as quickly as they did, the game was bound to end in a draw. I don't think the Aussies forced a result, but they played into Bazball's hands. But the Aussies played on the egos of this Bazball team and they found the opportunities to win by batting long and chasing down the score sensibly and allowing England to take the wickets for them. There was nothing in the pitch and there wasn't a single catch taken at slip off of a seamer in the whole match, which for England is completely unheard of. Moen Ali was injured badly after bowling for the first time in a long time for England. His finger on his right hand, spinning finger, was badly injured and that probably result might and that could be where it was lost. Nathan Lyon took a lot of wickets for Australia, and losing Moen Alley was a big blow for England. Also, there was no point of difference for England. On that final session, when you've got Cummins and Lyon batting, you have to ask the question, what do they not want to face? They don't want to face swing, they don't want to face pace, and they don't want to off- face spin. There was no swing on offer at all on that pitch on, on day five. Moeen Ali was out of the attack injured so someone like Mark Wood or Josh Tongue who can bowl in the 90s would have made a huge difference and England need to look at getting one of those in for the final game for the next game at lords does Moen play at lords if he can if he can be fit in time he might do we don't have any other spinners available well we do but we'd have to search, start searching around the county game and I don't think there's anyone in England's um, List to replace him. There is talk about bringing Mark Wood in and playing a four-man pace attack. Ben Stokes still injured might not bowl all that much at Lords, so it might be that Joe Root is asked to step up to the plate and be England's full-time spinner. But either way, Australia are now one nil up in the series, and England cannot let them go two nil up at Lords. There might not be a draw in this series based on the way England play. But going 2 0 down to Australia, every England captain can agree, is a surefire way of losing a series. Sports Social Podcast Network.